men. We are not simple, chest-thumping, rock-smashing, fire-starting barbarians. We have depth. We intensely feel. We are scared, yet brave. We love to have fun. We're imperfect and make mistakes. We're compassionate and loving. We are multifaceted. Let's explore the reality of masculinity together. In previous episodes, we talked about narcissism and how it is the original douchebag. Uh, today, we get to extend that conversation a little bit. Not fully, it's a little bit different, but we want to dive into why men cheat. Why do we violate relationship, violate trust? And what, what are the things that pull us away from the intimacy of a relationship, which for some women out of pain and others uh, can very adequately call that guy a douchebag. And so we're unpacking an aspect of the douchebag today. Um, Seth, why in the world do we cheat? Mm. Well, I mean, the, the, the whole premise behind this idea was, came about uh, just a few weeks ago when I was having a conversation with a friend who happens to be a girl. And, you know, I knew her, I knew her background. I knew that she had been cheated on a couple of times and, you know, I've, I've kind of talked that out with her and, and why men cheat and just kind of like, you know, did it have anything to do with her or does it mostly have to do with the guy who, or the person who's cheating? Right. Cause we, women cheat too. So I don't want to make this all about men necessarily, sure. but just cheating in general. And, you know, the idea of, you know, is cheating strictly physical and sexual or is it emotional, which is stuff that I know we're going to break down here in a little bit, but it just got me thinking, this is a great topic uh, because there's so much weight behind it. You know, there, there's a reason why so many of the talk shows in the eighties and nineties centered around cheating in relationships. And they, you know, they span the gamut on like Jerry Springer and you know, it was just sure. it's sold, right. The cheating and sex sells. Um, but it's, I think it's nearly, you know, it's something that nearly everyone can relate to or feel the weight of on some level. And so maybe it's not something that we've had to endure personally, like in a serious relationship. Um, maybe it was just experienced, like say in a high school, you know, dating relationship uh, or even, you know, just, just any casual dating relationship where somebody, the person that you're with chooses somebody else over you. Right. Or maybe yeah. it's something that we've witnessed in others, like we've witnessed it in our parents or we've witnessed it uh, in siblings or friends. Or maybe we've just felt that similar feeling of betrayal from, say, a close friend. Either way, it hurts. It hurts like a like a motherfucker. Right. That yeah. feeling of betrayal it communicates to us these feelings of rejection, betrayal, abandonment, which I would say, you know, talking with a lot of women, their number one core fear is being abandoned, right? Yeah. They, they, they require, they need security to feel safe and in abandonment, it, it kind of destroys all that. So, you know, feelings of abandonment, feelings of unworthiness, like you're choosing that person over me. So I must not be mm. as worthy or as accepted. Um, but it just really hurts and kind of strikes to the, the core of who we are. So I feel like it's a great conversation to have, whether you've been cheated on, whether you've cheated and you need to understand the other side of things or why it is that you cheat, uh, whatever that might be, 
I think it's a yeah. great conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it exposes in it. This is not by any stretch of the imagination an out or a freebie for the person who does the cheating, but you know, for the person who gets cheated on a lot of times it exposes some of our deepest pain, you know, and in that sense of betrayal or abandonment or unworthiness, you know, feeling stupid for trusting you like in the sense of, um, you know, I put all of my faith in this relationship and trust in you. And now I, I'm left here feeling betrayed and I, I feel dumb for trusting you. Like I, I, I should have caught, that's one thing that I hear from clients, you know, I should have been able to see the signs or catch things sooner. And, yeah. you know, a lot of times, like I said, if, if we felt abandoned as children in the relationship with our parents, then all of a sudden this cheating exposes that, that deep, deep, deep seated pain, set aside the, the betrayal, set aside the you know, violation of trust and everything else that is very real. But I'm a huge proponent of, you know, any situation, regardless of what it is or what it looks like, you know, where are those areas of my own personal life that I need to take a look at and I need to explore and heal and kind of do that shadow work where, um, you know, the situation is horrible, but what is it like? Why does it hurt so much? Right. Is it is it just the violation of trust or, you know, how mm. I'm responding to it? Yeah. Is is there something deeper there that I actually in in a in a warped sense, this is a gift that I need to actually take a look at these certain areas of my own heart and find out, you know, why what's that deeper seated um, pain? Where is that coming from? And is there something that I can do? to work on my own self. Yeah. And maybe, and that's a good point. Maybe we're putting the, the, uh, the cart before the horse here, but I think it is a good point to say like, yeah, there's no excuse for the behavior. Yeah. But everything, you know, nothing is coincidental, right? Things happen to us and we can, and we, and we have a choice of how to respond to it. You know, in the past, it's been this kind of like, uh, childlike throwing a tantrum complaining whining uh, i'm the victim this is happening to me and now my life sucks or this you know i don't i'm i have a reason for being depressed or, or whatever it might be or the approach is what can i learn from this right what is this illuminating inside of me which is what you were just touching on the shadow yeah. work which i think is so key because someone can be cheated on and be like man that really hurts but you know what? If she would rather be with them, then great, go be with them. And if that's the type of person they are right now, then I just dodged a bullet kind of thing. Or the person is totally internalizes it, projects everything onto themselves and says, I'm the problem. I'm wrong. You know, something's, you know, messed up with, with me and inside of me, yeah. which is funny because we, you know, in our relationship, even with the divine, we do that same thing right? Something bad happens and we immediately project onto ourselves, oh, I'm not favored. I'm, I'm being disciplined. You know, I'm getting the smack down or whatever it is. And again, it's, the, it's all about the perspective. So yeah, I think that's important to pay attention to. There's no excuse for someone else's treating you that way. Yeah. But how 
can you, uh, what is going to be your perception of it? How do you internalize it? Yeah. And it, I, for me, it's just, it helps prevent you from falling into victim mode, right? Exactly. The, the whole woe is me. This happened to me. That person's the bad guy or the bad girl. And then it essentially gives you an out for personal responsibility. And, and so, you know, taking a look at those deeper things, again, it's not there. I think there's layers to it, right? Because there is a violation of trust. There is a broken, you know, a broken promise or broken commitment within that relationship where, um, that in and of itself is painful and rightfully so. And they did do something wrong. Like it's, it's not, like you said, it's not giving them an out or an, ex not an excuse for the actions that they chose to take. But I think it's really easy in those situations to basically metaphorically fold your arms and go, you did this, now you need to fix it. And the, the, whether it's the pain that I'm feeling or the, you know, I'm just not going to take any ownership in what got us to this place. And I'm not going to take a hard look at myself. And it, what it does is it breeds that whole victim mentality where you are, you're, you know, it happens all the time, right? Where there's somebody who they get cheated on over and over and over and over again. And if there's one common denominator that happens to be you in those recreating of those relationships, mm. then what do you need to do to change, you know, what you tolerate or what you're, how you communicate or um, you know, doing the hard work of taking a look at yourself, even in the midst of a violation like like cheating, to to really change yourself so that you can change the relation. Even if the relationship makes it, you know, from cheating, it's going to require both of you to change the way that you approach things in order for that relationship to grow deeper in intimacy. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it's interesting that we talk about the, the internal things that are going on. Like say as a child, we had something happen to us. And then obviously that trauma plays out in our relationships later in life. And we have this fear of abandonment or we have this fear of betrayal. And I don't know if, if you've ever maybe heard this expression before, but like we manifest the things that we fear, you yeah. know? And so yeah. fear is a very powerful feeling and emotion, just like love, right? And there's things that we can really pay attention to that we love. And the more that we do that, the more that we can manifest those things in our life. But the same thing with fear. But the, the problem is, is that those we're wired to lean more into the fear, you know, out, out of a, sur a survival mechanism. We lean more into the fear so that we can either constantly be on guard or if something bad happens, we can say, well, uh, you know, I knew that was going to happen, right? It's that self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy type of thing. But exactly. if we fear being uh, abandoned, if we fear being um, cheated on or or betrayed or whatever that might be or rejected, there's a tendency that we're going to put enough energy in that direction to recreate that over and over again. And so if that is something, if that's a pattern, like that's something to pay attention to, you know, that if, if somebody does constantly get cheated on, like, maybe you're picking the wrong people because you are attracting that to you, right? Or there's something that you're just 
you're that that energy you're putting out there creates that situation over and over again and just getting back to like what the cheating causes i it's funny i had um somebody come clean the carpets yesterday and he was telling me about his his last his ex-girlfriend or his last girlfriend uh where they just split up not too long ago a couple months ago maybe and how his car started to make these really bad sounds this morning and he went out there and there was like three bolts that were just laying on the ground underneath his engine <laughs> and oh my god he's like he's thinking i think i think she she did something to my car she's the type of woman that would do that and it just i mean it was funny because i was thinking about us talking about it today and i was like when we feel hurt by somebody or cheated on or betrayed which i don't know if that was the case in this situation but uh, he did mention another girl or something like that i'm thinking this woman feels so hurt that she is driven to the edge to be vindictive. It, you know, it's so angry yeah. that I'm going to do something to hurt you back as much as you hurt me, you know, but, but yeah. the problem is she's not helping herself any, you know, she's not taking herself to the next level. I mean, it, it just kind of made me feel sad for them both. But, uh, but yeah, those, those feelings of betrayal, man, that, that goes deep. I, I've, I know I've felt that before. Um, yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Yeah, and I I mean it's, you know, the age-old saying hurt people hurt people, mm -hmm. right? And and so that's what your default reaction oftentimes can be and you can feel really justified. You know, that pain that you feel can help you justify actions that are outside of your what you know your character to be yeah. and who you know, you know, you actually want to be in life. And so I think it's that's an important point is if you find yourself in that position to as best you can hit pause on your initial reactions and to not go into that I'm hurt so now I'm going to hurt them in reaction because it um well first and foremost for the relationship if you actually want it is not going to help the relationship move forward at all and more times than not, all it does is create a bigger mess for both people that has to get cleaned up in some shape or form, sometimes through the legal routes, if they're doing something crazy, and other times just relationally, you know, you, you're actually hurting yourself by expending that energy to try to hurt that person back because of the violation of trust. Yeah. Yep. That, those feelings of, you know... I trusted you and now I feel really stupid for trusting you. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, you said you made a promise that you were committed to me and that's broken. What, what can I lean into now? What, if that, if that's broken, what else can I not trust in my life? Or even just the fact that like, okay, you cheated on me. Now I've, I'm alone. Like you chose somebody else and you're not with me. You're not my partner. You're not my team member anymore. I feel really alone in this now or just ashamed. I yeah. got cheated on. Who can I talk to about this? Who's going to be on my side? They're going to think I'm stupid because I trusted that person. Like, so you've, you are constantly putting yourself in this isolation place because of all of these different lies that are coming in and facilitating, you know, that greater victim mentality. And yeah, like you said, it is, it's a violation of trust. I don't know. Do you... Do you feel like talking much? I mean, has this happened to you? I don't want to, 
lead you into anything, but is there a part of, <laughs> I want to hear more like what, it, you know, if it's happened to you, what did you feel? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's kind of like what you had touched on earlier. I think it's an important point to distinguish and we'll get into my story for sure. But you know, you have like, what is cheating? Mm-hmm. that's I think some there's a lot of people that try to justify in in my opinion emotional cheating um just because they're like well I never put it in her you know <laughs> I, I we never had sex so we we didn't cheat yeah but I think you can if if you are committed to somebody in whatever that looks like but if you're committed to somebody and you go outside of that commitment to get your emotional needs met in an unhealthy way from someone else. Yeah. That is cheating. That is, you know, that's, and there's a variety of reasons why we do it. But I personally don't think that having sex is the threshold of cheating. You know, um, it happens all the time, especially in like workplaces where. You're just practically spending more time with people than sometimes you might even be with your own uh, significant other. And out of that, you have to guard your heart from letting that emotional cheating kind of take place and make sure that you are uh, choosing your partner when it comes to those hard conversations, those honest conversations, what's really going on in your heart. And I think a lot of times people, to avoid those, those hard truths that you're feeling or the hard conversations with somebody, we avoid that and we look to somebody else to just go, oh, they're, they just get me. They understand me. They're, and, and all of a sudden, the other person becomes the, you know, the source of conversation. Like, oh, my wife's such a bitch. She just is doing da 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 And it starts there. So rather than having the conversations required to change your relationship for the better, then all of a sudden you are essentially having an affair emotionally with another person because you're in the victim mode and you're not taking ownership for actually doing anything to change the reality of the situation or being brutally honest with yourself with the reality of the situation. And then you know, you're, you're essentially getting the needs met that you should be getting from your partner from someone else. And to me, that is cheat. Like that's a definition of cheating. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm complete agreement. And it's, and it's great that you bring that up because that was part of the conversation conversation I had with this friend last week was, you know, her from her background, it was cheating was really just physical. It was a sexual, yeah. you know, uh, going outside of that relationship. And for her who had experienced that, I'm like, oh, no, nah, it's more than that. It's a lot more than that. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, yes, it is that. And it could just be that, you know, maybe it was just like a one night thing. Maybe, it, maybe the person is cheating um, just by the use of prostitutes, you know, or sex workers. And it's, it doesn't have anything to do with emotional. It's just an intimacy. It's like a, a shot in the arm of, of, you know, uh, intimacy. That's not really authentic, right? It's just that physical intimacy I get in a moment because I don't have it anywhere else. But yeah, I think the emotional affairs and most affairs start on the emotional level, right? If it's an affair that keeps going on and on. 
starts emotionally. And so it's inevitably going to lead to that physical affair, that sexual affair anyway. So yeah, and I, I like how you said it's getting a need met outside of the marriage. And so I know I tried to pull you into sharing your story. I'll share a little uh, of mine on my side, but you know, I've never, I've never, I can, I can say that I've never physically cheated, never sexually cheated, Yeah. but there were, there were definitely times in my marriage where I was getting an emotional need met from other women. And, and it usually was just brief. It was just like a, you know, a flirtation, um, it wasn't like an ongoing thing. Um, but looking back, I recognized that there was so much emotional division between me and my wife at the time that I was just like hungry for some sort of attention on the female side that made that maybe validated yeah. who I am or, or made me feel important or significant for a moment. Right. And and I, and I entertained that there was, there was one time where there was a, I remember specifically, there was a flirtation between me and, and a Starbucks barista and man, it felt good. I was like, shit. Yeah. yeah. Like that feels really good because I don't get that at home. I don't get that validation, you know, at home. But then afterwards I felt really bad about it, you know? And some people will be like, why are you feeling bad? Like, so you flirted, you're going home to your wife. It's not like you, you know, are having an ongoing affair or even sexually cheated with this woman. But for me, I felt like there was still a violation. Like I felt like I was getting a need met outside my marriage. So I actually went home and, and told my wife about it, you know, and she didn't take it very well. But at the yeah. same time, it did help the relationship to say, hey, I'm being, I'm being honest. I'm communicating like there's something I'm not getting or I'm not feeling. And we, you know, and it's a hard conversation, but we need to have it. You know, and so, um, but I've seen cheating happen across the board. I've seen it in the church. I've seen it at, at workplaces. You know, it is not, it is something that's taboo and we try to like, you know, not talk about it, but it's everywhere because people are broken. They don't know how to talk, communicate their feelings. They don't know how to communicate their needs in their relationships. And it's just easier to go outside of it outside of their relationship to get that need met. And maybe for some people, it's even a rush and they, they're addicted to the adrenaline rush of doing what they know they should not be doing. Yeah. And I think you bring up a really good point, which this may be a semi-controversial point, but I think that there's another side of the whole getting your needs met that we don't often talk about. And, and that is that it's unfair to expect that your wife or your partner is going to meet all of your needs. Like you can, that's a recipe for a codependent relationship. It's mm, good. And, and so, you know, to me, I've always said now, obviously your significant other should be the person that is at the core, you know, that knows the core of who you are. But, you know, like with my girlfriend, I have other friends that are girls that it's not, I, I am getting, in a sense, I'm getting a need met from those other girls, but I'm not going outside of our relationship for it. But I'm also not putting all of this pressure on her to provide all of the feminine energy that I need in my life. Mm -hmm. And so I think a well-balanced man is able to 
guard his heart and guard the temptation to get unhealthy needs met for a variety of reasons. But at the same time, be okay with and understand that the, the feminine energy, it's okay to, um, to have certain needs, desires to like, to be affirmed, to be appreciated, to be a loyal friend, all of those things with other women, because, um, what it ultimately leads to, like I said, is, is just this codependency where I'm saying, okay, I'm now looking to you for all of my feminine needs. And I think that's unfair in a relationship and unfair and unfair expectation. It's the same thing as like, you are responsible for helping me heal. Yeah. Right. It's, it's that same dynamic where, um, as long as the intimacy and the connection is strong and at a good place in the relationship and I keep her at the core and I keep her close to my heart and I guard my desire to, you know, get those unhealthy emotional needs met from other women, that it's actually healthy to have other females in my life that see the good in me, that appreciate me, that, you know, value me just as a man. And I'm doing the same for them. But, you know, like in in my relationship, she knows of all of them. And we talk about all of them. And kind of like you said, if there is, and this hasn't happened, but if there is that a moment where I, I kind of get that check or I feel bad or I realize, oh, that's a need that I actually shouldn't have gotten met um, and I did, then I'm honest with her about that. So it's to me, it goes back to maintaining that trust and that connection and that intimacy within the relationship, but also not put the burden of getting my needs met on my partner exclusively. Yeah. And I think there are, you're absolutely right. There should be needs that are met by our, by our friends and, and our friend's circle. You know, we've got that, we've got that really close intimate circle or sphere that surrounds us that we only bring certain people into like our, our spouse or our, you know, significant other, even our kids. And then outside of that, you know, more, you know, family, different family members, uh, potentially. And then outside of that is, is friends, you know, and so, and each layer has a different level of intimacy and each layer fulfills a different, uh, different needs. And so being able to have needs met by you know, the opposite sex that are, are just friends is healthy. And when that's not there, uh, there's probably something disjointed. But when you bring that friend or other person closer into that sphere where only the significant other should be or, you know, the, the spouse should be, then we've got something that is dysfunctional. There's, there's, a, um, there's a, a perversion there that, you know, it's, it's the wrong version. Uh, that person should not be within that sphere. And so I think it's just levels of intimacy that we control. You know, I can have, I can go to work and have a coworker that's a female and we, we can have a great connection and be great friends, but I should not be necessarily talking to her about my problems with my marriage. That's bringing her into an intimacy level that she doesn't belong. Right. And that's a recipe for disaster. Even though I need someone to hear me, I need someone to help me feel like I'm not alone in these issues. I probably should be talking to some guys that I trust that can give me a better perspective or, you know, a father figure, yep. a mother figure, or whoever that might be. It should not be this girl. Cause who knows what her 
problems might be, right? And now she's going to connect with me. Like it's going to be puzzle pieces fitting together going, oh, you got those problems. I got the same problems. We relate. Now we're connected. And now everybody else, you know, we're the victims and everybody else is treating us poorly. And we've got a reason to gratify certain desires that go outside of our, our relationships. So, yeah. I mean, that's just something to, to be aware of, but, um, yeah. And I, I mean, I've always said that it's important to have a core and, and what I mean by that is one to three guys or one to three people of the same sex that are, you know, those are the people that you process with, that you are unfiltered with. I mean, that's the friendship that we have where sometimes I'm just like, oh, I need to verbal vomit for a little bit, Blah, you know, like, and, and just get it out of me, especially for me as a verbal processor, I can get stuck in my head. So I, I need those outlets, but it just to, for me, a practical step of guarding my relationship and guarding the intimacy in my relationship, I don't do that with the opposite sex because of the very thing that you, you know, you mentioned the sense of it leading what it leads to. And, and so I think it's important to, as a man to identify who those, who that core is for you. Again, it could just be one other guy. I don't see it being more than like three guys. And it's those people that you really trust that you really let in to, you know, the, your internal world. We all need those. Like we need those men who are there for us that are in the trenches emotionally and as you know what we do with each other on a regular basis is you know we say what we need to hear and not necessarily what we want to hear and i think having that is one really important just in life in general but specific for cheating it prevents me from creating that unhealthy bond with another person that's the opposite sex. And it also helps me see my blind spots because in a relationship, you know, I can feel justified, but then if I have a friend who is going, yeah, you know, um, given the way that you've been approaching your relationship lately, I can understand why she's doing X, Y, and Z. And I think that it would be really good for you to just take a look at, you know, these things that's going on in your heart or whatever it may be. And it's not a matter of, you know, AA accountability, but it, it is a sense of accountability to someone because we can all get wrapped up in our own inner world. And a lot of times that can get cloudy and confusing and emotions aren't clear and all of that. And so just choosing to, remove opening up to the opposite sex and having that core group for you whoever that may be it could be a father figure it could be a mother it could be whatever but i think it's important to identify who those are and to really establish and nurture and maintain those relationships so that when the inevitable happens right when relationships not going well or there is confusion or you're getting deeper in intimacy and you're scared or whatever it may be. You've got someone that isn't going to lead to an affair, mm. right? Like yeah. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna end up sleeping with you if I'm sharing my heart with you. And, um, just having that sounding board, I think is 
just a really important and practical way to prevent creating those unhealthy bonds with the opposite sex. Yeah. If you don't have that in your life, that's something that you need to seek out right away. You know, even if you're not in a relationship, it it doesn't matter whether you're in a relationship or not. Um, Having that group of people, even just one person in your life that you can be vulnerable and honest with and trust that they're going to challenge you. Um, They're not going to tell you what you want to hear necessarily. They are going to uh, call out your your blind spots uh, and just be real with you because that's that's the thing is we get we get wrapped up emotionally we can't see straight we're kind of drunk on the emotion of fear or anxiety depression and we can't see straight but that person can step outside and look in and objectively give us their opinion and that is so important I mean church leaders politicians people all the way up don't have this sometimes and they desperately yeah. desperately need it and so if you don't have that i encourage you to to do that because that is something that is going to allow you like you said josh just to to be able to have a, a sounding board and to purge those emotions before you make some serious mistakes and i just, just to get back to the whole i guess guarding your intimacy because i had a thought like i was just thinking about my girlfriend and she is you know she is this like beautiful woman that men just swoon over all the time. And there's levels of flirtation that probably most men would feel threatened by, you know, but in my relationship with her, I've learned to trust that she guards her intimacy, her energy really well. And that's something that I even want to do, you know, and that's something that I, that I learned through my marriage too, is like, how do I guard that, those levels of intimacy? And so being able to watch her, be able to interact with these people, uh, these men that are just like, they want from her. They want, they want that interaction. They want that attention. They want that intimacy with her and her being able to, you know, um, interact with them, but, but at the same time, guard, guard that intimacy level and keep them on, on the outside. That, that in my opinion is, is really healthy and something that if we can all learn to do that, then we can avoid a lot of these mistakes too. But I mean, I guess, I guess it comes down to now is like, what, you know, what causes us to look elsewhere? You know, like what is going on inside of me to make me want to betray trust with this person that I'm in relationship with to go, you know, start something with somebody else or just get a need met even just briefly with somebody else? What causes me to look outside of my relationship that I'm supposed to have with this person that I'm supposed to be? best friends with, or, you know, really close with and risk hurting them, you know, or even consider hurting them. What, what is going on inside of me to, to cause me to do that? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a loaded question, right? Because there's so many things that can lead to that pull or that desire. And I think, you know, there's, there's two sides of it, right? There's one, which is if the relationship is, is strained for whatever reason, And, you know, let's say that you're in a relationship with a narcissist and Mm. you are not being appreciated and you're being gaslit and, you know, all of that. So so you're not actually being seen or heard within the relationship. That's, That's kind of the negative side. But then there's the other side, which is you could be in a relationship and be actually afraid of the intimacy that you are creating. And so then you go out of your way to sabotage it 
to essentially end the relationship. And, you know, a lot of times that stems from this fear of rejection, where if I can blow up the relationship before she rejects me, then it keeps me safe or gives me a false sense of safety and security. Mm. So I, I think there's, there's two sides of it, right? We, everybody knows about the honeymoon phase of a relationship where, you know, your googly eyes over each other and it could be that, you know, you're missing that attention or that excitement or that fun because you've just gotten into the day-to-day -day routines and the rut and you have kids and you're going to work and you just, you've become essentially roommates instead of partners. And, and so you, you look to try to find that excitement again or find that attention again where you don't feel like you're having it within the relationship. Um, you know, that's just a couple things that come to mind. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting that you, you pulled on the, the fear of intimacy and maybe that's something we should touch on real quick. Cause, um, I had, I had forgotten about that, that, that was something that I experienced in probably the first half of my marriage is just a fear of intimacy, intimacy issues. A lot of it yeah. comes from that. I think that's probably a great root cause for a lot of these decisions is one, I'm afraid of being vulnerable and transparent with this person. I have a fear of intimacy, um, which probably comes back down to fear of rejection. Like if I expose myself in this intimate way, they have the power to reject me and totally destroy me. Right. And I don't want to put yeah. myself in that kind of vulnerable position. Right. But at the same time, we are people that desperately need intimacy. We are built to, to have relationship and to be intimate and go deep with each other. Uh, and just to feel that, that need met in intimacy. So I, if I'm not getting, giving it, giving the opportunity for that in my relationship, I'm going to try to go get little fixes, you know, uh, little, little bits of intimacy elsewhere at work, yeah, you know, what, whatever it might be, uh, where that, where that opportunity is. Which is why I think that doing the shadow work is so important because that is confronting and addressing those core drivers, you know, of the fear of rejection of the fear of intimacy. What's what actually causes that inside of you and you know, again, it could be that the relationship's not at a good place, but I think for a lot of men, we have this uh, deep-seated fear of actually exposing who we are, the, the reality of who we are, the humanity of who we are, our insecurities, our fears, our doubts. You know, we don't, quote-unquote, have it all together. And if, if I keep you at arm's distance and I have it all together, and you reject me, that's one thing. But if I open up my heart, and I actually let you in, and then you reject me, or and then, you know, I, I have this fear of you ultimately rejecting me by saying, you know, it doesn't matter why the relationship would end. It could just be that it wasn't the right person or the right fit. But the way that I take that is that the essence of who I am was rejected not the perception of who I am, not the career man of who I am, but really the core of who I am. And, and so I think we go out of our way to try to protect and guard and present uh, a certain facade of who they think that we should be out of that fear of ultimately rejection. Um, 
because that's you know, true intimacy is letting them into the reality of who you are. And it's, you know, the old saying, it's better to have loved and lost than not loved at all. It's, it's better to have opened yourself up and let someone actually see the reality of who you are. And ultimately, if, if they choose out from seeing that, then it wasn't the right fit anyways. Yeah. You know, so why would you waste time and energy and life on something that ultimately wouldn't be the right fit? Because, um, you know, there is out of the billions of people on planet Earth, there is a partner that is out there that will accept you for who you are. Yeah. Well, it's because we want we want our cake and to eat it, too. Right. We don't want to be alone. Right. So we will yeah. we will endure a shitty relationship because we don't want to be alone. But then I re realize my needs aren't getting met and I'm going to go outside of that relationship. And you know what? That relationship, the one I'm in right now, I don't really, you know, it's it's not really going much, you know, going anywhere anyway. So even if I hurt that person, eh, not, not a whole lot is lost. Obviously, that's a terrible mentality. But again, it all comes down to that, that intimacy issue. There's a, there's a term out there called intimacy anorexia. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before. No, that huh? might be something for whoever's listening to to look up. There's a lot of different characteristics that kind of fit into the intimacy anorexia uh, category, but it really kind of just it's talking about you know emotional intelligence. It's talking about just that that fear of rejection. I mean, it dials down to even like if you have problems with money, a lot of times it's connected to this intimacy thing. I'll let the audience decided to go out and research that themselves. I won't. Yeah, we'll throw something in the show notes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'll throw a link in there. But um, but I mean, it, it comes down to, I am not, you know, I there's something broken inside of me and I'm not, and, and, I, and I'm looking to this person I'm in relationship with to, or to start this relationship with this person to heal that pain inside my heart, to, uh, to fix me or to, um, you know, make me feel better about myself or, or whatever it might be. I'm looking to this person to do something and, and they're on the, they're in my external world. I'm looking at them to fix my internal world. And when they don't, then I'm going to go look somewhere else. Right. Yeah. And I see this person, I'm like, wow, there's an, there's an attraction there, or there's some sort of energetic pull. And this person might be able to heal my, my pain or, you know, fix this thing in my, in my life or make me feel better about myself or whatever it might be. And we perpetuate that cycle when the answer is nobody out there is gonna, is gonna fix it. It's an internal yeah. problem within us that can only be solved internally. And let me just say that everything we need, we already intrinsically have everything we need to heal ourselves, to fix ourselves is intrinsic. We have it all in us. Now there might be people that help us pull that out, you know, and help us recognize that in, internally, but we can't rely on somebody else to do it for us. Yeah. So I, I think the question is then, you know, if you are someone who's listening to this and you have cheated, then, you know, what's, what do you do? What is, what's the next steps? You find yourself in this place where you're saying, yeah, you know what? A lot of what I'm listening to is resonating, but I'm the one that cheated. Like I'm the one that is getting these needs met or I'm looking to someone else or I'm finding that uh, attraction or the energy there outside of my 
partnership, then I think first and foremost, you have to start by being honest with yourself and taking a really hard look at what has you at the place that you're at. And, and then, you know, probably even the scarier thing is to be honest with your partner because nothing is going to change and it's not going to end well unless you're willing to take ownership of your own life and ownership of your situation. And that has to start with taking a really hard, honest look at yourself and you know, looking at the relationship, how do you feel about the relationship? How do you, you know, what has you pulled outside of the relationship and has caused you to cheat and whether it's just emotional or physical and, and to really begin the process of cleaning up your mess. And, you know, that's, it's going to be whether the relationship makes it through it or not, um, without you being willing to look at yourself and begin to unpack what's going on in your own internal world, then not much is going to change. You're, you're just going to be that whole recreating the cycles and self-perpetuating, self-fulfilling prophecy of, well, you know, I, there's guy after guy I've talked to that, you know, most relationships last about six months and then lo and behold, it blows up because that excitement is gone or that fear of intimacy is there or whatever it may be. And they, I mean, normally when they're working with me, that's when they're in a process of taking a look at what's going on internally and figuring out what's driving that, you know, that deeper pull to create these messes. Um, and then to, to begin the process of looking at those root causes and addressing them. So whether that's, you know, inner child work that you need to do or that is inner king work and, and really establishing that or learning how to connect to your heart and figure out what's going on in there, in, you know, in, in your inner world. You need to do that work because like you said, it's, it is, it's you, it's internal for you and doing that work as well as being honest with yourself and honest with your partner is quite frankly, the best chance and only chance that you have of that relationship working in the first place or getting healing from the betrayal that happened there. Uh, but, you know, we're all more than capable, even if we don't want to, we're all more than capable with taking ownership of our situation, taking ownership of our life and our internal world. And it's really up to you to decide that, you know, enough is enough in the sense of what I've been recreating or creating within this relationship and to take the proactive steps to change your inner world so that you can deepen the intimacy within the relationship and change your external world. 